0: Thank you choir. If you didn't hear it the first time, there it is the second time. Wonderful. Uh, last week, we talked about that we're better together, and um, we had our our first small group meeting last uh, Sunday night, and I uh, tell you, it was really a, a wonderful experience and I hope that everybody's had the opportunity to experience a small group experience, and we learned that that we're better together. God hates loneliness, and so we, um, we learned that back in Genesis chapter 3, or chapter 2, pardon me, when Adam was all alone, God said it's not good for man to be alone, and so he gave Adam a partner. We're better together. Well, today I want to talk to you about reaching out together, about sharing the love of God with others. We um, In this 40 Days campaign, Want to deepen the sense of community within our own church family, and we want to deepen the sense of love within our church family. Now, everybody knows that none of us needs a hundred friends. In fact, you can't, you can't maintain a hundred friendships. How many know that? Uh, you can maybe have superficial relationships with a hundred people, but you can't really have close friendships with a hundred people. Uh, recently, Nicholas and Sarah got onto Facebook, and um, they've been adding friends like crazy. They've got they've got dozens and dozens of friends, uh, so-called friends. But uh, how close are they to them? How close can you really get to people when you're trying to juggle that many people? I heard one, one of uh, our young people's got, I think, 800 friends on Facebook, and I just can't figure out how on earth you can manage 800 friendships. But here's what you do need you, you do need three or four or five or maybe six people that you're close to that are really there for you and the, and the tragedy is friends that um, most people today don't have a single intimate friend i i I'm amazed at how many people that I know that don't have a single intimate friend, somebody that they can pour out their heart to, somebody who's looking out for them and maybe maybe you're that person today you don't you can't say that you really have even one close personal, intimate friend. Well, this is what the 40 Days Campaign is all about. It's it's about helping you find intimacy and friendship, uh, especially in the family of God. And we want you to move past the place of of just having acquaintances in church and get, getting you to the place where you're connected and you feel, yeah, these people are my friend. They love me. They have my back. You're looking out for me. So today what I want to do is we want to talk about the fifth purpose in our life, and that is that God has made you and I for mission. God's made us to reach out to the lost world. How many would agree with me today that God wants us to reach the lost? And the the the, the problem is in North America today uh, is that w- churches just aren't winning the lost like they used to. We you, you hear you hear in different places where it's happening, but for the most part, it's not happening. When I was growing up at Calvary Temple, Pastor Barber was my pastor. Every Sunday night, we had what was called an evangelistic rally, and um, when I was very young, oftentimes those Sunday nights with a lot of people that was amazing. And it kinda of dwindled out over the years. But almost always there was somebody coming to Christ. There are people coming to Jesus. And um, through the years, through the through the centuries, when you look at church history, you'll discover that there's not just one way to win people to Christ. There's different ways, different methods that have been employed. Now the, the thing is this, it's not, it's not which method is the best way to, to win people to Jesus. The question is this, is, are you winning someone to Jesus? It doesn't have to necessarily be an altar call. It doesn't necessarily have to be with the four spiritual laws, which is was what I learned when I was in Bible school. We did, we had a class called personal evangelism, and there was a little track that Campus Crusade produced, and it was called the four spiritual laws, and we had a whole class that taught us how to use that little track so that we could win some, some you know, win a person to Jesus. And then as we got older, we found out that that wasn't necessarily the only way. In fact, some people laughed at it, mocked it, scoffed at it. Uh, the question is this. Are you winning people to Jesus? Are you inviting your friends, your family, the people you work with uh, to come to know your Christ, your Lord? And so that's, that's what we want to talk about. Over this next six weeks, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that our small groups will have people come to their groups that don't know Jesus uh, we've got somebody in our group that doesn't know Jesus. I'm so excited about that. I'm excited about the opportunity to, to express the love of Christ to that person. And um, I'm hoping others will do the same thing. I'm hoping that that becomes a trend here. God wants us to share his love with others. Now, why does he want us to do that? Well, very simply, uh, we, we talked about it last week. We said God is love, and God wants everybody in his family. How many know that today? God wants everybody in his family. God never made a person he didn't love. God never made a person for, uh, for that, uh, that Jesus didn't die for. God never made a person that he didn't have a purpose for. And so we want to discover that. We want to discover a way to lead people into that relationship with Christ where they can hear the good news, where they can experience Christ. I want to show you a quick little video clip. No video clip. Not, you could speak, Reese. It's okay. The projector's dead. Oh, it's dead today. Well, lovely, lovely. Okay, now you're going to have to get your pens and papers up and pay close attention here. So we won't have that video clip. So what what I'm going to share with you right now, if you've got your Bibles, take them uh, them and turn to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and looking at verse 27b, and it says this. You are standing together side by side with one another with one strong purpose, and that is to tell the good news. You're standing together side by side with one strong purpose, and that is to tell the good news. Now, it's interesting. The apostle Paul, as he's speaking to the Philippians, he, he, the people live in Philippi. He's saying to them, you're not doing this alone. We're, we're doing it as a team. You're winning people to Christ together. So you're standing side by side to tell the good news. And then in verse, verse one, uh, verse uh, five, chapter one, it says, you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. So the Apostle Paul, the great evangelist, probably uh, the greatest evangelist of all time, he declares freely and willingly that he can't do it alone. He needs, he needs a partnership with other believers to help in the spreading of the good news. And so we're going to talk about today how we can use our small group to share the good news with others, and we're going to use that word partner and cross deck. We're going to take a look at what P. P stands for prayer together. Maybe did you ever do a Christmas the Christmas concert where you use C stands for Christ was born in a manger? Well, we're going to do something like that. We're going to use the word partner, and the P in partner stands for prayer together. Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 says this, pray for us that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. And so the very first thing that you're going to do as you're, as you're attempting to share the good news with others, as you're attempting to, to spread the gospel, is that you're going to begin with prayer. It's absolutely impossible to do evangelism without first getting the help of God. It's, in fact, it's an it's arrogance to think that you can do it on your own. So the first thing you do is you ask your small group to pray for your friends who don't really know God personally. And so what you can do if you want in your small group, and this is what I'm, I'm hoping that all the small groups will do, is just make a simple little prayer list in your small group and list the people. Maybe, maybe you got one person or maybe two people that you really want to see come to Christ. Put, put their names on that prayer list. And then I want you as a small group to begin to pray for these people. And you're going to watch what happens. Amazing things will begin to take place as you partner together as a group to see your lost friends, relatives, workmates, whatever, come to Christ. Now, you, you know, you can't force anybody to love God, but you can pray for them. So here's what love, here's what prayer does. Prayer can do what God can do. Prayer can melt a hard heart. Prayer can warm a cold heart. Prayer can activate and arouse an apathetic heart. Prayer can change a stubborn heart. Prayer can do whatever God can do. And so when we, when we want to see people come to Christ, what you need to do is don't get yourself all tied up in knots and wondering what am I going to say and how i am going to say it and, 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 What's the right words to use? And have I got my theology right? And do I need to take a special course in evangelism? No, you don't. All you need to do is be yourself, ask God to touch that person's life, and then just simply share your story about what God has done. But remember, it's, it's in the, the, the basis for your evangelism is got to be prayer. And I want to ask you this question. When's the last time you prayed for someone to come to Christ? When's the last time you prayed for your, your, your neighbor or, or your workmate? When's the last time you prayed for your children or your spouse or whoever it is that doesn't know Jesus? Folks, that's the starting place. Pray. Pray for them. Pray that God will touch their hearts. Now, people people can reject your arguments, and they do. I think that um, one of the courses we took in Bible school was a course called Apologetics, and it was all about how to convince people that God is real and that Christianity makes sense and Christianity is true. I don't care what kind of an apologist you are. You can be a lawyer with the most incredible debating skills. But if a person's heart is heart and doesn't want to receive Jesus, there's it doesn't matter how intelligent or how brilliant you are. You're not going to win them to Christ. But God can break through where you can't break through. And I've seen some of the most powerful evangelism happening, not through the brilliant professor types that... that uh, that are good at apologetics. I've seen it happen through people who just simply love Jesus, just just regular people like you and me. So people people can reject your arguments. When it comes to, to prayer, God gets through to their heart in ways that you absolutely cannot. So what happens when you pray? An amazing thing happens when you begin to pray for people that don't know Jesus. You become very aware. Write that down somewhere. Prayer makes me aware you begin to be aware of the people you need in your in your life you you, be, you begin to recognize their needs you begin to recognize the struggles that they're going through and suddenly you become the answer to your own prayer because you're going to be praying god give me an opportunity to really show these people the love of christ god give me the opportunity to to uh, to really love them and god's going to say okay look at look at that need here's your opportunity to move in there and show them your love there's a, a kid on my street who, um, who, he was actually lived on my street, he was also in my class in, in grade school. And it was just about the time that I received Christ into my own life. And, um, I, God put within, within my heart a love for this kid. His name is Lawrence. And, um, Lawrence was backward, he was quiet, he was shy, he was always the butt of jokes. Everybody used to make fun of him and laugh at him. And uh, God put within my heart a love for him, and, and, um, and I, I wanted to share with him the love of Christ. And so you know what happened is, is this. I began to pray, and then God said, Alan, this boy's biggest need right now is just that he's someone like him and be his friend. And so that's what I did. I, I became, became his friend, and I just talked to him. It was nice to him. I, uh, at recess time, we'd would, would do whatever you do on the playground or whatever, grade, grade five, grade six. And then one day he said, I'd like to, I'm having a birthday party. Would you come to it, please? And so, sure, I said, I'd, I'd be glad to come to your birthday party. I came to his birthday party, and you know what? I was the only one there. I was the only friend he had. I was the only one that was there to show him God's love. Now I want to tell you something right now, folks, there's people in your life right now. you begin to pray, and God's going to open your eyes to their need, and you're going to be shocked and amazed at just how hungry people are to be loved. And God wants to use you and He wants to use me to show people that love. And because I was, because I was open to being kind to this, this kid, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. and not just him, but his whole family. All because of prayer and noticing the needs of people around me. How many people do you know right now that don't know Christ? And I can guarantee you that that person that doesn't know Jesus in your life is, is a person that's got needs, has got got problems, got concerns, and God may just want to use you to do that. So I'm going to encourage you: make a list of people in your life that don't know Christ, the people that you can win to Christ. The second thing I want to point out to you this morning, then. So the word partner, we did P, P is for pray together, A in partner, is to appeal to common interests. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians nine twenty-two to 23. Paul says this to the Corinthians, whatever a person is like, Paul's telling his evangelistic strategy. It's very simple. He says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will t- let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Isn't that interesting? Interesting strategy. So whatever person's like, Paul says, I try to find the common ground, what we have in common, so that that person will let me tell them about Christ. He says, I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them coming to Christ. So the the second thing that you need to do for people that don't know Jesus, that you want to win to Christ, is you need to appeal to their common interests. Before you can share the good news with anybody, you have to establish a relationship with them. Before you can reach out to them, you must be able to relate to them. You need to find out what is it that you have in common. Does that person uh, like to fish? Do they uh, they like to to cook? Do they like to shop? Do they they have kids? Do they play soccer? Do they like soccer? Do they like baseball, basketball, whatever? What What are your common interests? What are your common needs? Do you have the common hurts? Have you gone through common experiences in life? You look for that and then once you've discovered and established what the common, common bond is between you, that's the point at which you have an opportunity to tell them what God has done for you. It's, that's the p- point at which you're able to share Jesus with them. We're ha- hoping that through these small groups, you could get together with the people in your group and find out what y'all have in common. In, in, in arithmetic, we learned when we took math and as kids, we learned that what, what we need to do is we need to find the common denominator when doing fractions. Find, the, find what, what it is that makes you have the same thing in common with the people in your group. And once you've established that, then I would suggest that what you should do is do some kind of a group activity together, something that you all like to do, and then invite people to come and take part in that. And watch what happens as you have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. I was recently um, recently heard about one small group that that happened to love football. They all love football, so what they do is they all buy season tickets and then they chip in together to buy two extra tickets so that whenever they go to the game together, they can always invite two people that don 't know jesus and so they, they, they would do this like every every season and every season they would have people come to Jesus because they made the they made the common connection. They established a common ground, and then from there, they were able to share the Christ with them. I know another group, another small group. They they love to get together and hang out. Uh, and I'm not talking about the small group meeting. Now I'm talking about socializing after the small group. And what they do is they do a thing called Master Wing Theater. You've heard of Masterpiece Theater. Well, this is Master Wing Theater. And what they do is they get together, with, get a movie, and and heat up some some hot wings. Invite a few friends together, people that don't know Christ, and together they socialize. And based on what? Based on the fact that they've got common interests, common experiences. And on that basis, they're able to share Christ. That's what we're asking you to do in your small groups. We're asking you to find common ground. And on the basis of that common ground, invite others in. And on that basis, after having established a relationship with them, then you can share share your faith. The R in partner is reach out in love. Reach out in love. In First Thessalonians 2.8, it says this, Because we loved you, we were happy to share not only God's good news with you, but even our own lives. And so the next thing, you reach out in love. Why? Because you have the right motive in reaching out to your neighbors and friends. Jesus said, love your neighbor. How? As yourself. And when you do that, my friends, people know, people know that it's the genuine article. It's a real thing. You've heard the old cliche, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So everything that we do has got to be out of love. People got to sense how much we care. Why are we doing this? Why are we even talking about reaching out to our community? Why not just focus on us and just be a happy little church and, and, and not, tr- not try to reach out to people that don't know Jesus? Like, I know there are people that would rather us just sort of focus on ourselves and, and just be a happy little congregation and not, not, not drag in other people who, who are not like us. I'll tell you why we, we, we can't live that way, friends. We can't live that way because God has called us to go into the world and share Jesus with the broken, the lost, and the hurting. So we we reach out in love for three reasons. First of all, it's because it's great news. If I had a cure for cancer, uh, I would be on the streets. I'd be on the. I'd be. I'd be uh, calling the newspapers. I'd be on the radio, on TV, anything in any way I could. I want to get that good news out. I've I've got great news for the world, folks. Do you understand? There's something. There's, there's a problem far greater than cancer or AIDS or, or any of the other uh, pestilences or scourges of our of our nation, our society. And that is sin, a heart that needs Jesus. And so God's called us to reach out in love and to share this good news with the world, this good news that people can live forever with Christ, that they can have purpose in life and that they can have eternal life. Now, what is this good news anyways that we're talking about? Very simply, very quickly, for those of you who forgot what the good news is, the good news is that you are not an accident. You're here today, not by accident, but by God's design. You came into this life because God wanted you to be born. You were made by God, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. You were made to last forever. You were made because God wanted you to be born, because he loves you. And not only does he love you, but Jesus came to this earth so that you could get to know God the Father, and He died on the cross and paid for all your sin because He loves you. This is good news, and this is what the world needs to hear. I mean, some people have a strange idea, man. I, I don't want to share my share the gospel with other people. I mean, it's uh, it's too uncomfortable, and people might be offended by it. We're not trying to we're not trying to spread rabies or something. What we're trying to do is we're trying to show people how much. God loves them, how precious they are to him. And so God's called us to share, to reach out in love. First of all, because we've got some great news. Secondly, because of what God has done for us. If you, if, you, if you are thankful to the Lord for the way that he has saved, you made a difference in your life, then you're going to want to share that with other, with others. Out of a heart of gratitude, you're going to want to share that good news. And thirdly, because God is love. If you don't love anybody else, it's real simple. You just don't have God in your life. The evidence that you've been converted, transformed by Christ is that you reach out in love for others. So I'm so what you need to do this morning is you need to ask God to give you a deeper love for others. And how many know today it's it's we we have a, a default setting. We always go back to being selfish. We always put ourselves first, we always think about ourselves, and God is calling us to reach out in love. The T in partner is tell your story. Look what, it, look what Peter says, First Peter 2.9. He says, you are God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. Now, what does the Bible talk about in 1 Peter 2.9? Well, very simply, God's saying that God, he wants to use each and every one of us. Each and every one of us who knows Christ is called upon to be an instrument to tell others of what God has done in our lives. Has God made a difference in your life? Are you a new person? Are you different now that Jesus has come into your life? I know some of you. I know your testimonies. I know what you've been through. I know what your life was like before you knew Christ. There's a night and day difference between who you are now and who you were before. Isn't that right? You are changed. You're transformed. Well, guess what, people? There's a whole world out there that needs to hear your story. Because otherwise, if you're just simply spouting off Bible verses to people, it doesn't, it doesn't touch their heart because they can't relate to that. But what they can relate to is they can relate to your story and how your life was transformed and what a difference God has made in your life. Then people can say, aha, if God did that for you, then God can do that for me. And so the most effective way to let other people know about the greatest thing that God has done for you is by simply telling your story. And I would really recommend and suggest that in your small group, you take the time to write out. We teach that in our uh, class 401. Write out your personal story about, about how your life was transformed by Christ. We call it a testimony. It, write out your testimony. And, and, and you should be able to, to read that testimony in two to three minutes. But write it out and then practice in your small group sharing that testimony with each other. And help one another Fine tune your story so that when you go out to share your love uh, with other people and tell others about Jesus, then you'll have a story that will touch their hearts. The 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 end and partner nurture friendships. In Luke five twenty nine, look what it says here. In his home, Levi that's Matthew it's one of Jesus' disciples gave a big dinner party for Jesus, and many fellow tax collectors and other guests were also there. So here's the thing that you need to do is you need to build a bridge between your heart and the hearts of others so that Christ can walk across that bridge into that person's life. This step takes a, a little bit more time and effort, but folks, this is what Christ has called us to do, to nurture friendships. It's interesting that when you look at Jesus' life, if you if you have read the Gospels, I, I know it's, Most of us have done that, but you go back and look at Jesus' life again, and you know you'll discover that Jesus is constantly at parties. He's constantly in the in the um, fellowship with people who don't know Jesus uh, and don't know the truth. And what is what is it we find Jesus doing? We find Jesus there, not with an agenda, but just there to connect. And let his life be known to these people. And Jesus did it so often that the Pharisees accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard. Why? Because he's constantly at these parties. And what's he doing? He's nurturing friendships so that what? So that they can hear the truth. And so that's what God's calling you and me to do. And maybe what you need to do in your small parties or your small group is you need to have a little party. And you need to p- invite people in and just let them experience what happens when christians get together and have fun and they'll discover that christians are not are not weird or not strange well some of us are maybe <laughs> but they'll discover that we're pretty normal people and they'll discover that hey there's a level of fellowship here that is that's not superficial it's pretty pretty deep pretty intimate and they're going to they're going to feel like man I I would like to have whatever these people have what's really cool about where we move to is that on either side of us we've got Filipino families, and I can tell you that nobody knows how to party like the Filipinos. And everybody said, "Yeah, that's true." On the one side, uh, I mean, he's got he's got a couple of uh, barbecues going in his garage, and he's roasting fish and 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 barbecue and and all kind. Of, and he always said, "Come on over, come on over for a beer." <laughs> and um, and I said, "Well, I I, I wouldn't mind the barbecue, <laughs> but." Um, There's a whole group of people there, just got the barbecues fired up and they're just sitting around talking, laughing, having fun. I'm thinking to myself, man, wouldn't this be a great way to do evangelism? Well, that's exactly what we find in the scripture. That's exactly what was happening. Jesus is showing up at these barbecue parties. They're, they're, they're just sitting around having fun, talking, visiting together. And that's exactly, friends, what God's called us to do. He's not called us to be isolationalists where we just isolate ourselves and put up a great big wall and, and the world won't touch us. Jesus calls us not to be of the world but to be in the world where we can be salt and light. Back a few years ago, Janet and Denny took us to a Chinese restaurant out Pembana Pembina Highway, and we had, for, the first, for my first time anyways, uh, a sea bass. Anybody ever had sea bass? It's delicious fish. This is a fish that comes out of the sea. Now, I, I, I tasted this fish, and um, I thought, man, it's not salty at all. You would expect that a sea bass would come out of the sea, would having lived in, in salt water all of its life, would be salty. But guess what, folks? I had to put soy sauce on that. I didn't have salt and pepper there. I put lots of soy sauce on it because I love that salty taste. That fish had lived its entire life in the seawater, in salt water, and yet I still have to put salt on it to 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 bring it to a place where I like the taste of it. Now, what's going on here? How, how is it that a fish living in the sea, in, in salt water, could be fished out, cooked, put on a plate, and yet there's no trace of any salt taste? I'll tell you what it is, folks. It's called insulation. That... that that animal, that little fish, has got a has got a skin on it that insulates it from the sea. And you know what? That's exactly what happens with so many of us as Christians. We are we are in church all the time, and and we never are in the world, and we never we never make a difference in the world that we live in. And so I'm going to encourage you to begin to nurture friendships. Bring a friend to your group. Plan a party so that people get to know Jesus. The Ian partner is expect God to act. Back in the 19th century, Mr. Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of his, well, the greatest preacher of his, of his generation and of that century, would preach up to up to, to, up to 10,000 people at a time. He had a young man come to him one day and said, how is it whenever you talk to people about the Lord, they always tend to open up their lives and they tend to accept Christ. And he said, but, you know, when I talk to people about the Lord, he said, nobody's interested. Nobody comes to Christ. What's wrong with that? And Spurgeon said, well, young man, you don't expect people to come to Jesus Christ every time you talk to them, do you? And he said, well, of course not. And Spurgeon said, well, that's your problem. That is your problem. You don't expect them to come to Jesus. Now, I want you to know some today. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says this, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And if you don't expect the people that you're trying to win for Christ to actually come to Christ, then they won't. But if you believe, if you trust, if you, if you have faith in your heart that that person that you're inviting to your small group or that person that you're trying to win for Christ will actually accept Christ, then guess what will happen? God will begin to move and work in mysterious ways. Because, uh, listen to me, the Christian life is lived out by faith first and foremost. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so the way that you and I are going to please God is by acting in faith, believing that the people that we're trying to win for Christ are actually going to come to Christ. You need to expect God to work. And, And don't give up. Hank has told me about some of the people that he has tried to witness to and been frustrated at times because he's invited them to church they say yes they don't show up and hank's not the only one who's had that experience some of us have had that experience i've had that experience but the bible says don't give up expect him expect him to come to the place where they'll finally say yes i believe you know there was a a story in the scriptures where jesus was was preaching and teaching He was surrounded by people there's a man who was sick and and uh, he had four friends who believed that if, if that friend could be touched by Jesus, that that friend of theirs would be healed. And so those four friends, you know the story, they got a hold of their friends. They, took, they, they figured, we can't get to Jesus. So what they did is they climbed up on top of the house. They, they tore a hole in the roof of the house and lowered the guy in so that Jesus could touch them. Jesus looked at these friends and said, you know what? It's because of your faith. It wasn't the faith of the man who was sick and on his bed. That, that got him healed. It was the faith of his friends who expected that God would act because of their faith. And they, they open up that hole in the roof, they let their friend down, and because of the faith of those four friends, that man was healed. Now I wonder today, how many people do you have in your life right now who need you to have faith for their salvation? Some of you have got children, have got a spouse, you've got grandchildren that don't know Christ, and you've you find yourself giving up lately you've given up on them you don't you haven't been praying like you used to pray i'm going to encourage you get back to the place of faith where you believe that god will act now finally the last point the r in partner is this represent christ with your lives in colossians 3:17 paul says whatever you do or say let it be as a representative of the lord jesus represent christ with your life. The Bible says, whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of Christ. And I'm going to ask you this question right now. When people look at your life, do they see Christ? When people look at your life, do they see Christ? You know, God has specifically put people in your life for you to share Christ with. And if you don't do it, who's going to do it? For 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 many many people, you're the only one. You're the only one that knows Jesus, and you're the only hope, their only hope, to get to know Christ. God's calling you to be Christ, representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. Would you bow your head with me, please, Father? We uh, we recognize our responsibility and our calling. To go into the world and make disciples, your your words clear about that, and the wonderful thing about Christianity, about the church, is that we um, we don't have to do it alone. We've we can do it together as a as a team, as as small groups, as partners. And so, God, we pray that you give us the grace and the strength. To not give up on the people in our lives that don't know Jesus. Give us the grace and the strength to love them, to reach out to them, to care for them. And, Father, help us, we pray, to to specifically target those people at work, in our neighborhood, in our family that don't know Jesus, so that we can share Christ with them. Help us, Lord, today to accept our mission, our, our responsibility. God, we want you to use us. And we pray that you would help us to be concerned about people around us. Help us, Lord, to take these steps of partnering with our small group and winning the lost. And God, we thank you that because it's your idea that we win the lost, because it's your idea that we share our faith, we know, God, that we can count on you for your help and for your grace and strength in sharing that good news. And so we pray for Christ's sake. And everyone said it? Father, as we go from this place now, we pray that you would make your face to shine upon us. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for those who don't know Jesus. God, help us to see today that we, we may be the only contact, the only, the only connection to Christ that many of these people have. Use us in the context of our small group, Lord. Help us to share together the, the burden, the responsibility of telling others about Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.